Welcome to Vinylize. I'm Mark Sykes. And I'm Paul McCormick. Greatest hits albums give the listener a sprinkling of an artist's career. Here's everything I did that was successful. It can also be a vehicle to conclude a record deal or to sell more music when an artist has passed away. For a new listener, it can be a jump-off point, a safe purchase which opens the door to an entire discography. Bob Marley's Legend album is 14 tracks of pure music gold, standing the test of time, displaying sound and lyrics like no other. But once you've fallen in love with the music on Legend, which disc of Bob Marley's do you devour next? Maybe the record that has the most tracks on the greatest hits? Seems like a sure thing. Let's drop the needle on this week's album. Finalize and send it to me. Realize the songs that set you free. This week's artist is big. I mean, really big. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1994. He has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He was posthumously awarded a Grammy for Lifetime Achievement in 2001, along with the Beach Boys, Tony Bennett, Sammy Davis Jr., and The Who. But, true to his character, you won't guess who he is based on the awards and the hype. He didn't want fame and fortune, but instead, he wanted peace, love, and unity. Now, if I said Jamaica, reggae, and Rasta, you've probably already guessed it's Bob Marley and the Wailers. His ninth studio album is Exodus, and it was released on June 3rd, 1977. Like Mark mentioned in the top of this segment, there's a ton of singles off of this album. A lot of them you're going to hear on Legend. Some of them like Exodus, Jamming, Waiting in Vain, Three Little Birds, One Love. Exodus is packed with hits. You know what, though? It's also an album that blends socioeconomic strife with political unrest, and it balances it out with love songs, spirituality, and music that just makes you feel really good. It's not a long album, 37 minutes and 24 seconds to be exact. The label was Island Records, and it was produced by Bob Marley and the Wailers. The members are Bob Marley on vocals and guitar, Junior Marvin on electric, couple brothers named Asin and Carlton on bass and drums, respectively. On all the keys you hear on this album, the synthesizer, the organ, a guy named Tyrone Downey's playing all that. And Alvin Patterson plays percussions. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the I-3s. That's the backup singers you're going to hear throughout this awesome album. And that is Rita Marley, Marcia Griffiths, and Judy Mowat. Mark, you picked this album. Why don't you share with everybody why you chose Exodus by Bob Marley and the Wailers? There's no music like this. It's melody, pure and true, if I can quote Bob Marley. He's the first Jamaican international superstar. Uh, his singing of peace, love, hope, uprising, a com- it's a commentary on political injustice, is important. Um, his messages are relevant today. Bob is a symbol of freedom. I love this music. When I hear it, I'm happy, but I'm also Mm -hmm. checked in with what he's actually talking about, whether it's love or uprising or the things that he saw when he was growing up. I wanted to pick Legend, but Vinylizers, we don't do greatest hits albums. No, no, no. So where do you go next? You got to do Bob Marley, but which album do you pick? And he's got 11 albums 
and they're all great. So I picked Exodus and we're moving down the road and this is the album we're doing this week. I'm so glad you chose this album um, because we can't do best ofs. And a friend of mine named Natasha in high school, she she introduced Legend to me. And I mean, like most people, I fell in love with it. It's just that different genre of music and it's always uplifting. It makes you feel happy. It's hard to find. And when you find it, you don't want to let go of it. You definitely don't. Now, the band is Bob Marley and the Whalers. He was in a couple of bands before, like the Teenagers, the Wailing Rude Boys, and the Wailing Whalers. Eventually, that band like breaks up, but Bob keeps the name Bob Marley and the Whalers, even though none of the original Whalers are in the band, which is really, really interesting. Uh, but his sound, uh, his lyrics, and his music uh, continue and get better and better as he grows as an artist. That's right. Some of the original whalers, um, Peter Tosh was one of the original whalers. He became a, what, a very famous reggae uh, musician in his own right. And Bunny Whaler. Bunny actually just mm -hmm. passed away uh, a few weeks ago. No. Yeah, Mar I think it's March 3rd, 2021. Uh, Bunny passed away. So I thought I'd mention that. Do you, you want to hear an interesting story about Bunny Whaler that reminds me of you and me? Yeah, man. Okay, so uh, when his mom and him decided to move to, to Trenchtown, uh, they actually moved in uh, with uh, Bunny Whaler's dad. And so Bob's mom and Bunny's dad ended up having a daughter together, okay? Ooh. And so they got to live together, okay? So And, and it was kind of neat because they were both loving music at the time. So by living together, they got to explore American music together and create their sound and their love of music and learning how to play instruments. And when I heard that this week, I was like, oh man, imagine if Paul's mom married <laughs> my dad. Uh, huh? We would have started okay. this podcast years ago. Oh my gosh, craziness. <laughs> so were Bob and Bunny friends before their parents hooked up or did they become oh. friends after? What do you think? It it's so hard to know in one week of research. Yeah. Some of the things I read said yes, mm. and some of the things I read said no. Mm. So I, again, I don't want to vine a lie, yeah, yeah. okay? Um, but, you know, for them to be able to live together and love music and start a band that springboards Bob's career, isn't that just amazing? I love it, man. I love it. And there's so <laughs> much on this album. So, like, where do you want to get started? What do you think? Let's start with the name. Why is the album called Exodus. What is an exodus? Okay, an exodus is leaving, right? It means you're leaving something. Um, we know that Bob Marley, um, when he wrote this album, he left Jamaica. Okay, there was uh, an assassination attempt on his on him, and mm -hmm. that drove him out of Jamaica to London to write and record this album. So I think that's a good spot for me to start, actually, because to understand this album, you kind of have to understand the political climate in Jamaica at the time. Cool? For All sure, right. man. All right. So in Jamaica, 1976, a year before this album comes out, there's two major political parties, and it's an electric year. So you have the People's National Party, the PNP, and you also have the Jamaican Labor Party, the JLP. Michael Manley is the leader of PNP, and they're currently in power, and Edward Siaga is the leader of the JLP. Now, there's lots of violence leading up to the election of 1976. And we're talking bad, bad stuff here. A lot of murders, a lot of uh, gun violence. Bob just wants to bring peace and unite Jamaica without taking political sides. And, you know, he's already a hero in Jamaica. He's already very, very well known. 
So Bob came up with an idea. He said, why don't I put on a concert to unite everybody? I'm going to call it Smile Jamaica. And both political parties were on board. Okay. It was a free concert. Everybody was invited. But what the PNP did was a little bit shady. They moved their election date up to coincide with the concert. What? So even though Bob was trying to remove himself from the political climate, you know, that move didn't look so good on Bob. So two days before the concert, gunmen raided Bob Marley's house slash studio on Hope Road. And from different reports I've read, it was up to several men. Um, they literally came in guns a-blazing. Um, from what I've read, you know, his... Uh, his manager, Don Taylor, was the first to get shot at as the gunman came through the door. Bob Marley was right behind him. And as Don Taylor turned back to run inside, he got shot several times in the back. Uh, Marley himself kind of bladed himself and, and hugged up against the wall inside the hallway. He was grazed in the chest and he also got shot in the arm. And his wife, Rita Marley, she was actually shot in the head as she was sitting in the car outside when the raid went down. I mean, talk about miracles. Um, nobody was killed. Nobody was killed in all this. And when they started investigating and looking into things, here's where it gets shady. Like, who are these gunmen? What are their motives? Um, yeah. That's the question of the day. So no security was present, which is very suspicious because security was always present, especially around these super tense times. Um, there's a guy named Jim Brown. That's his, his real name's Lester Koch, but his alias was Jim Brown. He was the bodyguard for that guy I mentioned earlier, Edward Siega, the Jamaican Labour Party leader. Yeah, Jim Brown is his his bodyguard. So he's seen at the scene, he's seen while all the shooting goes down. Um, so it's really looking like the JLP are responsible. And right. and people say that because of um, the the People's National Party had affiliations um, with like Fidel Castro at the time in socialism, that the CIA in America were backing the Jamaican Labor Party. Wow. Now, Siega, people in Jamaica started calling him Siega, spelled C-I-A-G-A. -A. Oh my god! So graffiti was going mad. Yeah, <laughs> people are trying to hunt down who did it. At the end of the day, um, there was accountability but I honestly don't know if they picked the right guy. I mean, it's not the first time um, someone's taken the fall for a crime they didn't commit, right? So yes, somebody, I believe they were hanged um, because right. of the murder. And um, Lester Koch, um, I'm not exactly sure what happened to him. Oh, you mean Jim Brown? Jim Brown, yeah. So he actually uh, creates this uh, posse called the Shadow Posse. Mm -hmm. And they're known for sm smuggling like a ton of cocaine into the USA. The, sh the Shower Posse. The shower is it the shower posse. Shower, hundred percent. No shower, because I was hundred oh. percent. Okay. Yes. Okay. Shower. But yeah, they Man. they they're smuggling coke and guns, right? Yeah, it's crazy. And I think you told me actually that the CIA actually smuggled in guns through stage equipment. Is that true? And stay stay tuned for that story okay. because that's that's coming. That later? happens. That, that happens later. Yeah. This that's that's crazy. So so um, he almost loses his life. But he decides to, two days later, do the show, Smile Jamaica, even though he's afraid for his life. Mm -hmm. um, he does the show, but right afterwards, then he leaves 
Jamaica. He goes to the Bahamas. He goes to London. Mm -hmm. And then that's, I guess, his Exodus, Paul. That's why the album's called Exodus. I guess so, yeah. Hey, get this. Okay. What? When I was digging up all this political stuff, I want to end it off mm -hmm. on this. My favorite game, Three Truths and a Lie. I'm going to tell you three okay. truths and a lie. You tell me which one's a lie, okay, Mark? Okay, give it to me. Hey, here's the first one, truth or lie. Manly, that's the People's National Party leader, he served yep. in the Royal Canadian Air Force during World War II. Whoa. Um, and? Edward Siega, he was actually mm -hmm. a record producer and a record company owner. What? Um, okay. Manly, Siega, and Marley, they all died from cancer. Ooh. Okay. And the last one, you tell me if this is truth or a lie. During the Smile Jamaica concert, Manly hopped on the drums and Siega went crowd surfing, never to be seen from again. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> it's definitely the fourth one. It's yeah. the fourth one. Pretty crazy okay. facts though, eh? Wow. The record producer thing. And then them all dying of cancer is, is tragic as well. I was surprised that Manly um, served in the RCAF. Yeah. Wow. So much to... Uh, dig up mm -hmm. when we talk when we vinylize anyways Let, yeah let's talk about the album artwork for a second cool. so it's a gold background it's got a red font with some black shadows um but the interesting part about this album is it was released uh on vinyl as 10 tracks mm -hmm. but it's actually really hard to get a 10 track version of exodus anymore okay uh, unless you get an original press uh, a lot of the, you know, streaming services or compact discs have a 12-track uh, version of this album. And then there's, like, other albums that are released, too, like the Exodus 40 released in uh, 2017. And there's a live London disc. So it's really difficult to just find the 10-track gold Exodus album. Tell me something. What did you really think about the album artwork? Uh, you know, I, I think it's um, it catches your eye. It's a solid gold album, so why not have a solid gold oh, cover? You're kind, man. Um, I thought it was terrible. <laughs> oh my gosh! If we have an award at the end of this year, okay, that, okay. that's a front runner. I'm telling you, I think it's terrible. It feels like a, a project I would have been given in school. You know, when you have to do okay. a project during the class hour, and right, you know what, right, you right, do right. something real quick, and then you talk to your buddy for the rest of it. I can tell you how you would have done it too. You would have just gone into your mom's like wrapping paper and picked out gold <laughs> wrapping paper. And then you would have cut out all the letters to spell Exodus. I totally would have. <laughs> and you probably would have spelled it wrong. Okay. Um, so this did come out in vinyl. We don't need to guess where the vinyl break is, but the vinyl break is very important, vinylized listeners, because side one, all the songs have to do with him kind of being a musical prophet, uh, talking about political unrest, spirituality, oppression, uprising and religious politics that's side one okay mm -hmm. the first five tracks uh the next five tracks on side two are about love hope peace and keeping the faith but track 10 one love people get ready kind of brings both concepts together with the mm -hmm. hope of freedom and peace mm -hmm. which is really interesting so this album is very thematic it is it is um and i find that when I did the history research at the beginning, it really helped round out understanding this album um, mm -hmm. because the first four songs, I didn't really know natural mystics, so much things to say, guiltiness, the heathen. I, I never really listened to them. Now I knew Exodus jamming, waiting in vain, three little birds and one love from legend. But if you don't know the political history, 
Um, the first few songs, the first half of this album doesn't have as great as an impact. And that's why we really thought it was important to share with the listeners that political history. So sorry, it was a bit boring, but it's really important. It's not because when we vinylize Paul, we're learning things and that's what we want to share on this show. And it, and it has to link to this album. So, you know, sometimes we may spend a lot of time on the tracks. Sometimes we might spend more time on the history. You know, we don't mm-hmm. always have to talk about the same things when we vinylize. Right. So let's get into this album. Okay. First song sure. is Natural Mystic. Um, can I, can I tell you what I noticed right off the bat with this? Yeah, please do. It was the fade in. You know, oh, the fade in. I love what? the fade in. You don't hear the fade in anymore. They don't use it enough. Um, it's not common. I think it's really cool how the song seems to approach you as a listener. Um, yeah. You agree with me on that one? It's something coming down a road. Yeah. And I actually remember the first time I heard this song. Okay. I remember being blown away. Like I had my CD player was really loud. Um, and then nothing was on when I press play and I'm like, what is going on? And then all you hear is that boom, 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 boom. I'm like, what is going on here? And I've never heard music like this before. There's like a walking jam Mm -hmm. that continues through the whole song. And then, you know, you hear Bob Marley's Les Paul special and he's kind of doing that. Like, what is it called when you strum that way? Like, um, like scatting or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's like staccato, but it like keeps the rhythm, the entire song. And it's like nothing you've ever heard before. Yeah, it is super cool. Um, And I tried to understand this. Like, I stared at these words natural mystic for a while. And man, it was kind of tough to piece it together. But understanding a bit about Bob Marley, here's my best shot at it, okay? Okay, here we go. I think a natural mystic might mean a prophet or maybe somebody Mm -hmm. who can read the future. Yeah. And I wonder if Bob is actually talking about peace because he says the things are not the way they used to be. And though I try to find the answer to all the questions they ask, I think a lot of people would have been saying, hey, Bob, like, you're the peace man. You're the one about unity. Like, how do we make this happen? Um, I also think that Bob realizes that might not be in his lifetime. Many more will have to suffer. Many more will have to die. (sighs) And the irony there that he realizes it might not be in his lifetime circles back to natural mystic. That kind of makes him a natural mystic. Uh, Paul, I totally agree with you. It's it, spirituality is out there in nature. You just have to look and see it. And there's certain places that you'll visit in this world that will actually make you stop and take your breath away. And there's this like spirituality, spirituality that spirituality that comes through your body that makes you feel like you're lifted up. You know, like I remember mm-hmm. there was this beach in Australia that had like powdery sand and you're walking on it and nobody else is there. And you're like, am I in, am, am I in heaven right now? It's like those places. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that the natural mystic is only in, it's blowing through the air. Mm-hmm. It's not loud. It's not like in your face, mm-hmm. but it's there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But you really have to almost like stop, take a deep breath and really listen to it. It's almost like a whisper, you know? And I think about Trenchtown where he grew up, mm-hmm. you know? there probably wasn't a lot of natural mystics in that place. And yet he was able to, you know, come out of that place. It's almost like a a rose growing after like Mm -hmm. destruction has happened, Mm -hmm. right? There's beauty Mm -hmm. um, that can grow after something that's horrible and terrible, like a war or like what's happening in Trenchtown. And he's able to see this natural mystic or he's actually able to talk about it, Mm -hmm. that it's, 
It's true. It can be there. Yeah. But it's sad that many more people will have to die before everyone recognizes mm -hmm. it. So the next song on this album is So Much Things to Say. Um, you know, when he says the lines, rain falls on everyone's rooftops. Oh, yes. I was like, wow. It, everyone is suffering. That's what he's saying. Everybody is suffering. Um, you yeah. know, him growing up in Jamaica, in Trenchtown, when he looks around, this is what he sees, rain falling on everyone's rooftops. And I think this is Bob's response to what he also sees happening when a revolutionary leader carries on an ideological thought like racial equality or human rights to the foreground of politics, but it's not carried on by the people when something happens to the leader. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so he mentions a couple names in this song, Marcus Garvey and Paul Bogle. And I had to Google these names real quick to, to see, well, who are they? What are they about? And very, very briefly, they're both Jamaican activists. Paul Bogle uh, was a Jamaican activist in 1865, and he marched for justice and fair treatment. Uh, Marcus Garvey was also a Jamaican activist, and he really wanted to unite the African people uh, worldwide. And if you want an interesting read, I would highly recommend Googling Marcus Garvey's name and uh, just read the Wikipedia on him. Very, very interesting. That's awesome. I, I like that the the line that's repeated is it's they've got or they have so much things to say. And if this song is like a politically charged anthem or song, mm -hmm. it's interesting that politicians will say a lot, but there's not a lot of action, mm -hmm. you know? So the people who need the most support are not getting it because the leaders are talking through the problems instead of acting through the problems. The other thing I noticed about this song and other songs on the album is the backing vocals from the I3s. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of, so in, in Greek theater, there's something called a chorus. And so what'll happen is important parts of the play will be repeated as the chorus, like a group of people, like the townspeople, uh, repeat the important messaging that is being said in the play. Um, I almost feel like the I3s are like the Greek chorus on this album and they're repeating all those things. And when you mentioned the line about when the rain falls down, you know, they actually repeat those lines mm -hmm. and they're saying they have so much things to say. And I love this idea mm -hmm. that, you know, when you feel like the world is turned on you and you feel like the Eeyore rain cloud is only raining on you, mm -hmm. you need to recognize that it's actually raining on yeah. a lot of people. And, um, Jamaica at this time, mm -hmm. that feeling is probably felt by a lot of people. Totally agree you with know? you. Totally agree. And he's giving it a voice, right? <clears throat> amazing. Amazing imagery and the lyrics. So mm -hmm. the next song is Guiltiness. Um, yes. This song has a sad vibe to it, and it's followed by the lyrics of oppression. Uh, he mm -hmm. seems to think that the downpressers, the people who are in power, will feel bad at the end of the day for what he says, eat the bread of sorrow. Now, mm -hmm. honestly, Mark, in my opinion, I don't know if these down presses are really going to feel bad at the end of the day um, for what they're doing. Maybe if they somehow ended up with nothing and they were back on the same common ground as the common people, they might. But hey, as long as times are good, I don't think the down presses are going to feel bad at all. It's interesting. Guiltiness is the fact of breaking the law. But if the people who are in charge are breaking the laws that they created that essentially creates deep rooted corruption. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's exactly what's happening in, mm -hmm. in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's interesting. It's like, 
he's saying they're going to get their just desserts one day. And that just desserts is going to be the bread of sorrow or the sad tomorrow. Well, you know, I found an interesting thing related to this song. Peter Tosh, who was a former whaler in 1977, he also wrote a song uh, called down press mm-hmm. down presser man. And he's singing about the same kind of things about um, a person in power, how they're going to feel bad at the end of the day. Um, they're going to have nothing and no one's going to feel bad for them. And then we go over to the Beatles and George Harrison says, you know, the people who gain the world and they lose their own souls. So it's interesting, like people who, you know, colonial people who went to Jamaica to take all their resources and enslave all the people, you know, they controlled the world. They gained the world. But in a way, they lost their souls in the bad acts that they did, right? Did George Harrison... Stealing culture. Did yeah. George Harrison have anything to do with this album? Or are you just boring a, a line? No, no. like uh, when I was vinylizing this week, like this song brought up a George Harrison quote. Oh, okay. The people who gain the world and lose their soul is kind of like a theme that like mm. maybe he was pulling from when he was writing the lyrics for this for this song. And I was like, oh, we got to talk about George. Right, right. I mean, he makes, he makes like, uh, you know, a T for Tom <laughs> Petty. He like, you know, inspires some lyrics He's for Bob Marley. What's next? Where is he going to go next? You know, <laughs> this world is just six worlds long. Okay, um, let's move on to um, song number four. Um, but actually, before we do that, Vinylized listeners, Listen to this album and just give it a percussion listen. Listen to all the interesting percussion that's on this album, you know? Just turn off your brain and just listen to that because I think song number three is a really great example of great percussion, but it it continually keeps coming up throughout the whole album, and I don't want to keep saying, mm. have you listened to the percussion? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, song number four is he- The Heathen. Yeah. I, I think uh, Bob Marley's War is unity, peace, and love. And and to me, I don't think this is like a political battle cry to rally people and encourage civil disobedience. That's not what Bob wants. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it does follow the same line as thought as the song, So Much Things to Say. You know, the music on this is kind of dark. I'm not really a big fan of this one, if I'm being completely honest, because when I listen to reggae, I love to hear the happiness and I'm not really getting it on this one. Yeah, he's he's really moving into what side one of the record is really all about with this song. Do you know what a heathen is? Um, did you did you vinylize that? No, I think a, no, I, I think a heathen is a bad guy. <laughs> it's like a bad person. It's actually someone who does not acknowledge the God who is in the Bible. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you believe in uh, another form of God uh, who mm-hmm. is not present in the Christian Bible, mm-hmm. then you are a heathen. Mm. Uh, and in some cases, people define that as people who are uncivilized or irreligious, hmm. which is really interesting to think about. Um, so he's talking about the heathens. But these people, they need to rise up. They need to fight and run away so they can fight another day. And it's interesting. Bob leaves Jamaica. So is he talking about himself there a little bit? Like, well, is he considering himself a heathen with, you know, his uh, belief in Rastafarianism? Yeah. And then, you know, he... he he fights, he plays that concert and he runs away to write this amazing album called Exodus. And on this first side, he's bringing up all the points that he wants to bring up. Like, this is why we need to rise up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Oh, can we talk about the guitar or the organ or yeah. the electric piano in this song or the synthesizer yeah. at the end? It's doing some crazy, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got some wah-wah. You, you listen to that. 
cool. I don't know what it is. It almost sounds like it's talking. <laughs> like it sounds like, you know, a, a robot with, with a dead battery, but um, it's very interesting. And it moves us right into Exodus. Cool. Um, you know, I was trying to draw a parallel here and I just ran out of time in the day. But, you know, Exodus, like he's referencing Moses a lot in this song, leaving Babylon, mm -hmm. which modern day, that's Egypt. And Moses, he led the Israelites from slavery by parting the Red Sea. So this, mm. this story in the Bible takes place in which book? The book of Exodus. Ah, right? Okay. So at the time that Bob Marley writes this song, he's already flown to London, England to record the album, literally exiling from Jamaica. And, yes. and, and some people think Bob had prophetic qualities like Moses, leading people from bad to good. So I wonder mm -hmm. if there's like a simile there um, between Bob and Moses. You know, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I totally do. I think people definitely see that. And I think, um, you know, when he comes back to Jamaica and we'll get back there mm -hmm. eventually in this episode, um, I think people really do see him as the prophet that uh, a lot of people uh, believe he is. Um, it's interesting. One of the lyrics in the song is, we know where we're going, which is actually a slogan from the 1976 um, campaign of, is it Michael Manley? Yeah, yeah, the PNP. Isn't that interesting that he actually puts a, a, like a campaign slogan into the song? Mm. Um, and he knew the title of the album before he actually had written the song Exodus. So, so he knew he was going to write an album called Exodus, okay. but he hadn't written the song yet. Isn't that interesting? So was that inspired from like the assassination attempt or no? It was before that, do you think? Uh, you mean the album title? Yeah. I don't know. I think he left and then he's like, I'm going to, this is a total guess on my part. Mm -hmm. He leaves Jamaica and then he's like, I got to write a new album. I think my next album is going to be called Exodus. Yeah. And for probably the reasons why you mentioned earlier in the episode. And then in this song, he also quotes like the campaign that kind of got him shot. Mm -hmm. Uh, because of what Michael Manley did. Um, this song is so long. There's many times this week where I'm like, what track are we on on this album? I'm like, oh, Exodus. And then like a few minutes later, I'm like, okay, what what track are we on? I'm like, oh, Exodus. And I look at my phone. I'm like, did, did it repeat? Am I on shuffle? Like, what is going on? I'm like, oh no, this is a... What is it? Seven? It's almost eight minutes long. Yeah, it's it's kind of trance-like, isn't it? It, it? It's it's got great vibe. It's a good song. It just repeats and repeats. And you get into it's that. It's the soundtrack to the walk. <laughs> right? We're going to do an Exodus. We need a really long song. It's going to take right? a while. <laughs> I was putting my kids to bed this week. We decided I'd put them in the stroller and, and go for a walk. Yeah. And during Exodus, one of my kids fell asleep. And I was like, this is hilarious. Thank goodness this song is almost eight minutes long. They wouldn't have been asleep otherwise. Well, And this ends side one. So the next song is also long. Right. There's an extended version of this one, too. Yes. Jamming. Yes. And, and I mean, this is an amazing song. Here's where I feel like <sighs> we're kind of turning the corner. You know what I mean? Like these positive vibes. And it makes me picture a beach every time I hear it. Um, I love it. I, and I don't know many people that wouldn't like this song. Right. It's still getting airplay on the radio today. For sure. Um, so in Jamaican Patois, jamming refers to getting together or a celebration. I think you told me jamming meant something else all these years. Uh, well, I always thought it was like when you were in uh, when you were in a band <laughs> and you were going to like work on your music, you know, you always be like, we jam in, yeah. we jam in. Like I would always do that when I got together with people to, to write music or, uh, you know, practice music. You know, there's 
at one point that earworm comes out. I'm like, we jamming, we jamming. But yeah, so jamming is like dancing, having a good time, celebrating. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are some lines that make me think that maybe he's also talking about um, like uh, people oppressing you and jamming you and like crushing you into these spaces. But I do think this song is more of a positive like dancing and love I, yeah. and jamming. In fairness, I think that's really what it is. I think it's totally positive. Um, it's about getting together, celebrating. Um, I did it. But, 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 <laughs> but, 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 but he does say no bullet can stop us now in this song. Yeah, but that's about him getting grazed by the bullet. That's what I'm talking like, about. So he's talking about the people who might have been jamming him down. You know, okay. we ain't going to jam like that. We're going to jam and dance. No bullet can stop me now. All right. right? Hey, do you know how many? Your life is worth much more <laughs> than gold. That is also a great uh, line in the song. Guess what? Right? I did no. I did a jam count. How many times do you think he says jamming in this song? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, wait, are you talking about the uh, four-minute version or the longer version? Uh, I think it's just the four-minute, to be honest. Okay. Uh, can I say 73 <laughs> times? It's 54 times. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. I was actually exaggerating because I was like, yeah. you know, remember that time you told me that um, album song length thing and it was yeah. like 90 some words. Okay. I was trying to go. Well, sometimes that. I look at the lyrics when I'm trying to read a song and, and vinylize it. Right. And when you look yeah. up the, the lyrics for jamming, it says jamming a lot. So I had to count them. Do you know what I and I means? No. So he says, I and I, um, so I and I is the concept of oneness. It's like blending the two words of you and we together. Mm. And this oneness is a very spiritual thing. So when he says I and I, he's talking about as all being one. And there's this idea when you're dancing with someone that uh, you start you start to think less and just you're in your body. Mm. And so you get this spiritualness, this oneness with yourself and a oneness with someone else. And I don't know if you ever take dance. Have you ever taken dance lessons with anyone, Paul? Just you, buddy. Do you want to try this sometime? Okay. Like, do you want, do you <laughs> no, want to no, achieve no. this next level or what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So eventually you'll stop stepping on my toes and we'll have some I and I happening. Right. And we'll forget that we're doing the, whatever dance we're doing. Right. That's pretty What's cool. the forbidden dance? The tango? I don't know, man. <laughs> okay. When we start tangoing, then you'll be like, wow, I and I, and I'll be like, you got it, buddy. Um, so, you know, one of the things he said on his, um, his his deathbed oh and i can't find it um something about that like uh money will never buy you happiness mm-hmm. i'm i'm paraphrasing it wrong but it's interesting that he says your life is worth much more than gold mm. uh, in this song and and life really is right like you know your life is not a paycheck and someone's life should not be surrendered because of money and that's what i was saying in the the top of the intro there is that bob marley didn't care about the awards and the hype the fame and the fortune you know he's very simple he just wanted peace love and unity um he knew that money can't buy him happiness and yeah it doesn't surprise me that he'd say something like that on his deathbed totally all right let's move on to uh song number seven waiting in vain I love his love songs. I think this song is amazing. Uh, there's no music like this song, you know. And, and the album, the album has moved from a politically charged, spiritually fueled lyric to just love. Yay! Yeah, you know, <sighs> so great. Yeah, yeah. But it, but it's not straightforward, right? Like he's waiting for this lover, right? Who he's into, and he's not sure she is, and. You know, she might have some other prospects. 
Um, but it's interesting because there's a passage of time in this song. He says like, um, uh, cause if summer is here, I'm still waiting there. Winter is here mm-hmm. and I'm still waiting there. And then he says something like, um, it's been three years yeah. since I've been knocking on your, on your door. I love that. It reminds me of the saying like a prize easily won is no prize at mm. all. Right. Like if he'd been able to, you know, hook up with her the first time he saw her, he may not, he may never have written mm-hmm. waiting in vain. Right. But because she wasn't, you know, um, easy to fall in love with, or she didn't want him, or she wasn't interested. Mm-hmm. He's able to write this amazing. Do you know what the song is about? Um, I'm gonna guess his wife Rita Marley. It's not. It's actually about um, a woman named Cindy Breakspear. Oh, and she's the mother of Damien Marley. Oh, yeah, the mistress. Yeah. So yeah. Is, so one of the one of the many. So let me get this right. Rita is singing backup vocals on a song that Bob has written for his mistress. Yeah, but maybe he's just like, no, this is about you. How did he pull that one off? <laughs> uh, he's a god among men. Uh, I don't know. I actually don't know. When you're when yeah. you're a prophet, you can do these things. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. Like you have these amazing songs on on side number two, mm-hmm. um, and then you move into turn your lights down low. And this song is completely different than anything else on the album. It's slowed down music. Yeah. It's got a different vibe. It's like a lounge track. You know, right? I, I'm going to be honest with you, Mark. Yeah. I smirk and then I skip this song. It's got, the, what? yeah, it's got that 70s Barry Manilow vibe. I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to pass. Uh, I think we're <laughs> passing too much on songs lately on vinyl. I think the referee needs to come in and blow the whistle <laughs> at your house really loud. Um, Listen, uh, turn your lights down low. He says, I want to give you some good, good loving, right? Yeah. So this is a love song, right? (laughs) About, you know, doing the deed. But he has 11 confirmed children. um, And there's more people that could be his kids as well. Someone needs to go to Bob and be like, no, no more turning the lights down low. Stop turning the lights down low. Because, you know, sadly, he passes away at 36 years old, right? He has 11 plus children. Busy man. You know, that's a lot of children. A lot of songwriting and a lot of children, eh? Yeah, they go hand in hand. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to Three Little Birds, which is uh, song number nine. Mm -hmm. Um, I I hear this song and I'm like, can I get some more steel drum, please? So good. And the electric piano is just magic and the two things blending together. I never realized how little... um, how how few lyrics there are on this uh, song, but how great the lyrics are. And how great the song is as well. Like it's another example of one of his reggae songs that just totally relaxes you. You just want to be at a beach in a hot climate, having a cold drink, relaxing without a mm-hmm. care in the world. Uh, I looked at the what the song is about, and I think it's inspired by two things. It might be inspired by nature. I heard that canaries would often fly to his windowsill at Hope Road mm. where he was recording. Or maybe it refers to the I-3s. And because ah. they said that after every song was, um, they said that after the song was written, Bob would always call them that backstage. You know, he'd say, okay, we're going to do an encore. Where are my three bir- little birds at? You know? Oh my goodness, Paul, you've just opened up the door he writes waiting in vain. And then Rita's like, who's this song about? You never waited for me. And he's like, <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, listen, it's about Sydney, but 
there's going to be a track nine and it's going to be called three little birds. And one of those beds is going to be you. And then it's like everything smooth. That's over, it. He right? says this song is going to be bigger than turn the lights down. This one's going to reach number two. <laughs> it's going to reach number two in the UK and number one in Jamaica. Don't worry about it. It's about you. Don't worry about a thing. Hey, you know what? It's interesting. Someone who grew up in a ghetto like Trenchtown mm -hmm. and saw so much violence and terrible things that they can actually like move past that and become an international star and write a song that says, just don't worry about a thing. Everything is going to be all right. Mm. Uh, this is why I think people think he's a prophet, mm. you know, because his messaging is so clear that please don't worry. Mm. We're going to get through this, mm -hmm. you know, and he's seen some terrible things. It is calming and it's caring and doesn't, it has that effect on, I, I can't speak for everybody. It has that effect on me. You know, when I listen to this yeah. song, I'm like, yeah, I chill right out. I, I want to give a shout out to my niece. Uh, she's six years old. When she was in kindergarten, uh, her music teacher picked this for the kindergarten concert. And there was like <laughs> 75, you know, kindergarten students, you know, ranging from five to six years old. And they all sang this song. Uh, and it was amazing. That'd be cute. It was amazing. So when I hear this song, I always think of, <laughs> of my niece, Hannah. And her singing this song because it was just, it was solid gold. It was solid gold. Mark, we got one song left on this album. What? Let's get into it. What? What is it? Okay. What's it about? Uh, one Love, People Get Ready. So there's a slash there because uh, Curtis Mayfield, uh, who was, I think he was in The Impressions yeah. in 1965, mm -hmm. uh, wrote some of these lyrics. And so he's actually credited uh, for part of this song. Mm -hmm. Um Growing up, I just thought this was the theme song to Jamaica. So did you know, I, the you'd, tourism you'd see board. see those yeah. songs and you'd be like, oh, that's the Jamaica theme song. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that must be their national anthem. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, their national motto is out of many, one people. Hmm. Right? So that actually is their motto. Um, so it's very interesting. So I was actually brainwashed to believe that this song, One Love, was actually, you know, the, their anthem. That's funny, man. I think we should put um, the people get ready by the impressions on our Facebook page so vinylized listeners can actually hear the similarity similarities between that song and this. Because oh. Bob really does take chunks, literally, out of um, Curtis Mayfield's song and plugs it into his and just adds more lyrics to it. Um, okay. But it's a good example of one of those songs that when you listen with your ear, you can actually hear One Love in this song by the impressions people get ready um and you're like oh there it is there's that melody line and in fact there's actually the exact same lyrics that curtis mayfield used kind of cool i'm gonna put that on our facebook page i want to talk about how i feel like bob weaves the theme on the a side and the b side mm -hmm. together with this song so there's a line in it that says uh is there a place for the helpless sinner who has hurt all mankind just to save his own beliefs. And I think in this song, he's literally creating a loop for you to go back uh, to the beginning of the first album and re-listen um, with a different heart, a lighter heart, a heart full of love and hope and a belief in freedom. Uh, but you can only uh, believe that and get to that if you've listened to tracks six, seven, eight, and nine and 10 and mm -hmm. then you go back and you and you re-listen so it's a loop of like 
I'm feeling really down with the first side, but now I believe that, you know, what Bob's telling me is, is we can actually uh, be better if we become one love, you know, one love for humanity. It's awesome, man. So we know that we, we, we got into what happened before the album was made. We learned why it's titled Exodus and that Bob left Jamaica to go to London. Did we talk about him ever returning to Jamaica? No. So uh, in the song, it says, let's get together and feel all right. So he doesn't go back to Jamaica, but he tours the world. Um, he becomes, you know, a superstar, uh, bigger than he was. And then what happens is he's invited back to Jamaica to be a part of this concert called the One Love Peace Concert. But you got to think like, he's afraid, right? Like, am I going to get who's, shot? Am who, I going to get yeah, murdered? Yeah, who's inviting him back? Yeah. So apparently uh, some people who were running some of the crime syndicates yeah, the had been in prison together, the Dons, yeah. and they decided to essentially handshake or whatever, a truce. Mm -hmm. And they had both promised him that if he returned to Jamaica to do this show, um, he would not, he would not, no harm would come to him. And so he comes back to Jamaica. And it's interesting, the day he comes back to Jamaica um, to get ready for that One Love Peace concert, there's actually an earthquake that day, hmm. which a lot of people say, whoa, what are, the, what are the odds of that happening? So they do this show. He doesn't come out until 2 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's how big this concert is, okay? Uh, when he comes out, he's doing his thing. He's dancing in a way that people haven't seen before. He's performing uh, his show. At one point in the show, there's a, a crack of thunder, mm. okay? He is brave enough to bring out the leaders of both political parties and get them to shake hands. He gets them to hold their hands above his head, and he's in between them. Mm. And he's essentially signifying peace between the two parties that are um, creating unrest and war. And so, you know, if you didn't believe that he was um, spreading the, you know, the... Peace, love, and unity. Peace, love, and unity. I can't even talk. It's so amazing. Yeah. Uh, that Yeah, like, this is it. This is what's happening in the show. Um, and he does that. You know, it's pretty amazing. And then, sadly, um, weapons were actually smuggled in to Jamaica mm -hmm. because of that show in some of the equipment boxes. Mm -hmm. So peace only lasts so long. Mm -hmm. And after that show, there were a, a bunch of terrible things that did happen, but it's interesting that he did, uh, you know, try to start a movement again in Jamaica, which is really important. There's a great Netflix documentary on that called who shot the sheriff. And, yes. and it does kind of um, talk about everything that we have on this album from um, the elections of 76 to the assassination attempt to um, the final concert there. So check that yeah, out. De definitely check it out. I want to talk about one more thing. So in 1977, when this album was released, he was actually diagnosed with cancer as well, mm -hmm. which he didn't uh, get treated in the way that the doctors wanted him to treat it. Uh, he took some other methods and sadly that um, cancer spread and so in 19, I think it's 1981, uh, at mm -hmm. 36 years old, mm -hmm. Bob Marley passes away of cancer, uh, too young. Uh, he had so much more to give to the world. His message lives on. His music is still relevant. Um, and he's just blessed us with so much when it comes to music. Please listen to all 11 albums 
that he released. He released four live albums, seven studio albums. One of his vinyls is actually like a Zippo. Cool. Oh, really? That you can open it up and it looks like a Zippo. So it opens from the top. Uh, one of the uh, album covers was reshot. And it's really interesting because uh, they, when they were going to go sell it in the United States, they're like, listen, Bob, you smoke marijuana. Let's put that on the front cover. And because it was illegal in the States, it ended up selling way more records because people would see that record and they'd be like, whoa, uh-huh. this guy's smoking marijuana on the front of a, a record. That's illegal. <laughs> and so it ended up helping his sales. Um, it's just it's just a really great story. And if you're looking for a jumping off point, like I said in the introduction, check out uh, Legend. Mm. It's a great place to start if you haven't listened to Bob Marley uh, yet and then jump into some other records. Buddy, it's time for a red stripe. I'm done. I got nothing left to add. What do you got? What song are you going to add to the epic playlist? If impossible was possible, <laughs> I don't know. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, I thought last week was difficult. You make it hard for me because there's so many good songs to choose from. You know that I always pick the hit single, but there's so many hit singles on this. What do I do? Man, I'm going to tell you, the runner-up was jamming. I love jamming, man, because... It, it, it brings me right to a beach. I'm teleported immediately and I'm relaxed. But um, this one does the same thing and it's inspirational. It's uplifting. That's why I'm choosing Three Little Birds as my song. Fantastic. With another song added to our epic playlist on Spotify, this brings us to the end of the Bob Marley Exodus Vinylized Session. Join us on Facebook for related videos and links all week long. Thanks to our producer, Alex Sykes, for putting the show together. We'll talk to you next time when we pick a new album and we tempt you to vinylize. Waiting.